0: Welcome to Series 2, Episode 8. Meet Jonathan Strait, the creative entrepreneur. He's also a non-exec director, a consultant, a TV star, a photographer, the list goes on. We get to know Jonathan's story, along with exploring his spiritualism and religion. You can't help but be inspired by Jonathan. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for being a fab listener welcome to the johnny ross audio experience i'm johnny ross founder and digital marketing strategist of fleet marketing each podcast i'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you to give you some great business growth takeaways and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve adapt and grow i look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast so here we go hi uh welcome to another live q a uh today we've got uh, jonathan straight a uh, creative entrepreneur uh it's brilliant to have you here jonathan how are you i'm good good morning nice nice to be with you it's great that you're here thank you um so we're live on facebook we're live on linkedin we're live on youtube um it, we have a facebook group the coronavirus yorkshire business support group if you're watching this on uh, replay then just put a hashtag replay in the comments that would be really helpful to understand uh, and if you've got questions for Jonathan feel free to uh, pop them in the comments box uh, and I will see if I can uh, introduce them as we chat uh, but it's great to have you here Jonathan um, and, and actually I, I just wanted to to sort of go right back you were born in Leeds uh, how how did you you know your big career? Some of your big career moments were uh, were selling bins and water butts. How do, just talk me to some of the lead up to that.
1: So, so uh, yeah, I was born in Leeds. I was born in my in my in my late grandmother's bedroom in 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 Chapel Town, Um because home there birth. Was, there was no way she was having a, her daughter in law give birth in a hospital, so um, that is where I came into the world um uh on st martin's crescent and uh, wow i i i did all sorts of things uh, i i mean i i wasn't particularly enamored with education i didn't go to university um dropped out sort of played music stayed up late that kind of thing um and eventually um i i, I sort of fell into doing all sorts of salesy and marketing things, I had my own little little enterprise uh, right at the beginning, um, selling, buying, selling, uh, producing a, a newsletter for people who wanted to start businesses. Also, any you know, all sorts of crazy ideas, lots of ideas. Selling books by post, I actually did that years and years ago. gave gave it up as a bad job. Um, eventually, I started um, doing what you might call proper work as a consultant. And uh, I, I did a lot of work for a 50 bedroom uh, company called Strachan. And I learned the, the black art of direct marketing there. I learned all about call centres and coupon response. And I, I, I did a lot of transformational work for them. Uh, and then I was headhunted uh, by um, a parent of a, of a school friend who had a, a, a factory making uh, suits and, and, and jackets, uh, and I worked there for a few months. It didn't quite work out. So I was out on my ear, I had a few quid, I had lots of skills, sales skills, marketing skills, business skills. I wanted to give something back. You know, I, I knew I could make money. I knew that, that, that was a given, but I wanted there to be some sort of, uh, how should we say, tangible benefit, social environmental um, twist to, to what I was doing. And I discovered this thing called recycling, or rather not recycling, because at that point, we really weren't doing very much of it. Uh, And I started volunteering at a little company called Save Waste and Prosper. And the fools put me in charge of their cash flow and their accounts. So within two weeks, I was an indispensable team member and they had to start paying me. Uh, And then they gave me a project, which was with a, a plastics manufacturer who had designed a bin. They ended up doing some consultancy for this plastics manufacturer. And then I moved over full time as a consultant to them. And then in 1993, they said, we've had enough of this project. We don't want to do it anymore. And I said, well, let me carry on. And they said, absolutely not. There's no way, you know, off you go. Uh, but I persuaded them after a, a, a quite a long negotiation that I could be their agents. And that was the beginning of what became straight PLC. Me, a desk, a phone, a laptop, and an agency for three products that were selling at that time about 100 grams worth of, of, of sales a year and that was the beginning and and uh, and i built from there uh in 10 years a public company um and in 20 years uh, a public a public company that had uh, a factory uh, an office uh 150 staff wow. 30 million turnover um agents all over the world um yeah so it was quite an adventure and uh and i've written it all down it just needs a bit of editing if anybody <laughs> knows a good editor I, i'm uh, i'm open to offers um but yeah it's that's ready to go 90 odd thousand words of it
0: wow um john uh hammond uh, says low uh, i'm sure that mustache is getting longer uh, well,
1: My hair's definitely getting longer i haven't had it cut for um, <laughs> cut for seven months
0: you're you're sort of on on full lockdown, aren't you? Still, uh, yeah, which...
1: yeah. I mean, I'm I'm trying my best. Obviously, the weak link is that is the kids are at school, but yeah. uh, I I am uh, I'm being careful. Should we say?
0: He's put, uh, give regards to the good doctor. Thank you very uh... much, John, very kind. <laughs> John. John's
1: involved in, with uh, University of, of uh, York St John, who who kindly gave me a, a doctorate last year so so i am now dr straight
0: oh i saw and, your speech did you i did yes did you, you like you... my frock did you i, I my did speech? like your frock you were you, you you knew it had been recorded but it, it was only recently you found it
1: yeah yeah i had no idea it had been posted it's actually on youtube uh, it's worth it's worth a look um and, and i wore the hat i saw um, you see my my fellow my fellow honoree was uh, was hugh edwards the, the newsreader and he refused to wear the hat oh, um, I don't know why but he didn't wear the hat um I thought it was rather fetching so uh, i was quite glad to uh, glad to have it and it was pretty cold in the minster so it was actually <laughs> not, not bad to have a hat on your head.
0: you said just when you were telling me that the your story just then you you said that you knew you would make money um and uh, and you also wanted some sort of tangible uh uh um part of this how how did you know you'd make money what is it
1: well no i knew i could make money uh, sorry I'm, in, i meant in the word my, could in my roles uh, as a consultant i was being paid to to run a call center to to you know to run an appointment system to to produce sales promotion material whatever it was i was doing you know and i i was earning good money you know i was in my sort of late 20s by the time this happened but you know, I I was earning a lot of money. Um, I I was paid by the hour. And and I had a a commission structure based on what my team was doing. And I used to work 60 70 hours a week. So I was earning loads of money, plus all the commission. So yeah, I knew I could do that. I I, I didn't know I could make a lot of money. Um, I never had any expectation to make a lot of money. But you know, as as has been uh, born out through the story I, I did do quite well and, and you
0: know what what got you to where you were was it a a confidence thing was it just luck was it uh what what was that what would you say the the, the key elements were
1: well I, I would say if I look back at uh, sort of 21 years in business you've got 10 years of fear and terror you know of that this is going to stop happening uh, this is going to fail um, you know I've, I've I've done quite well for a bit but I'm going to end up with nothing there was this sort of uh, you know motivation at the absolute fear which was a, a, a big driver you know and at one point I was in the office seven days a week you know I just couldn't leave it alone then when we floated on on the stock market after a while the, the penny dropped that you know this this is actually quite as a, a, a a, a significant structure, and it's not just going to evaporate. And you've got a team of good people around you who who are doing most of the doing. So actually, maybe you can take a slightly different view. And and I would say my motivation then changed to one of responsibility uh, and duty because I had all these people who looked to me to make sure they could feed their families. So so it sort of there was a change. It definitely, there was a, a first half and a second half you know fear in the first half and and duty in the second half uh,
0: and, and i mean since then you you uh have your fingers in many different pies um it's uh it I, I just do not know where you get the time um you're you're also a doer as well you like to do things yourself you like to try new things you're an early adopter of tech um but you know you're if you're not a photographer you're you're on, you're, you're doing tv if you're not doing tv you're a trustee you're a director at the telly the the, the, the you're a, uh, helping other businesses you're a, a vegan you're a, a pro israeli there's so many things uh,
1: how do you fit it all in i think the truth is it's all it's all
0: compartmentalized
1: so you know if you're a trustee of a charity um and i'm a trustee of i don't know four five six charities um it's probably six um probably you you, you, um you know you 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 really have your board meetings where you need to read the papers bring yourself up to speed and, and and then you know you might come away with an action point or two but once that's done you can leave it because you've got a professional team who are running the charity um and unless they've got a problem or an issue and of course they've all had problems and issues in the last months um you can really leave it alone and 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 so it, it becomes a um you know a, a reactive thing ra- rather than a proactive thing so so it doesn't actually take up as much time as you might imagine to be a, a trustee of a charity assuming it's a professionally run and and decent organization and and the techly is a prime example a very good example uh, where the professional team pretty much does everything and will come to the board and say this is what we think this is what we want to do you know do you agree or don't you agree and we will either say great idea do it or actually you know it's possibly a bit reckless um, you know maybe don't spend all that money now because you don't know what's around the corner that, that kind of thing So it's possible to compartmentalize it Um, with photography, with television, They're projects. So, you know, if if as I did a couple of years back, you've got a TV series to make you, you know, you'll have a phase of research, a phase of writing. And then you'll spread out the filming over probably a day or two a week for, for a couple of months. Uh, And that will involve line learning because we're not rich enough for auto cues uh, at at Leeds TV, or at least they weren't when I was there. Um, So you've got to learn your lines and then do the filming in the freezing cold with three pairs of socks on. um, And then just hope that whoever's editing it, um, you know, lives up to the vision you had when you when you wrote it. But once it's done, it's done. and, And you don't have to worry about it or think about it again. Same with photography, you know, you'll go somewhere to do a shoot, um, then it needs editing and and, and publishing. Sometimes I make books. Um, A book is a process of handing over to a designer. Um, Obviously, I need to give the designer the layout, I need to give the designer the text and then there's a process of toing and froing where it will come back in iterations and I'll make comments and send it so it, it it's not a constant thing it involves bits of time spread out over a longer time so it's not too difficult to
0: to manage is it do you do you sort of um are you the sort of person that needs uh, that that needs lots of uh different things to keep it exciting or to uh to keep it varied is is, the, is it is it the varied thing that uh that, that gets you
1: well I think um, I, I probably have a, a short attention span I, I need to be kept excited and um, I, I have what I would call magpie syndrome which is you know oh there's something shiny over there um, <laughs> <laughs> let's go and get it and and you know what happens every day every day I clip stuff you know there's all sorts of stuff going, oh I like that look at that article that article looks good and I clip it all to Evernote and, and I never find time to read it so <laughs> I've got a repository of thousands of interesting articles, um, which you know. Once in a while, oh, do you know I should sit down and read some of that? And you might read three or four articles. That's as far as you get, because some of them are books, some of them are, are e-books, <laughs> some of them are hundreds of pages long. There's no hope. But, but you feel if you don't clip it, you've missed something. You, you know, you,
0: you've missed out. But I, I guess that magpie syndri- syndrome actually uh, opens doors. Uh, you just you just don't know what might be there. It might waste some time as well, but at the same time, it might open opportunities. I assume.
1: I think one of the greatest gifts to humanity is intellectual curiosity, and yeah. um, people who don't have it or suppress it, I just I, have, I just feel sorry for. You know, it's such a wonderful thing to. You know there's so much out there there's so much that can excite us and interest us it, it, it's just uh it's just amazing and and to be to be open minded and curious and to have a principle that if somebody says i'm interested to talk to you you are going to find the time to talk to them because you're going to learn something you know maybe maybe they are the bigger beneficiary of the relationship it doesn't matter you're always going to come away with something you didn't know before and and that's worth that's worth having
0: yeah, and I and I know just from doing these sessions, the, the the part I love and enjoy is learning actually and hearing from other people, and it challenges me and makes me think about things. So I, I get that completely. Um, I, uh, you mentioned the book, uh, the books. Uh, I definitely want to talk about your book. You've got a book out right now, and you and you're potentially working on a a new one as well. I'm going to come back to that shortly. But you're also uh, quite a, a spiritualist. We've got the uh, Jewish New Year coming up. Uh, this uh weekend with uh, yeah. uh Brian plainer saying uh shanatova uh, to to both of to us so bad, Brian. That's
1: very um you.
0: the uh but but one of the things that i wanted to ask you because you're you uh, are a regular attendee at uh, synagogues th- this is going to be very strange uh with some big high festivals coming up and uh with covid you know how ha- how's that uh, how's that going to feel over the next few days Whoa. and weeks
1: I'm not, I'm not concerned for me. Um, I'm, I'm possibly concerned for the rest of the family, because, it, it, you know, that connection is not going to be there for them. Um, I mean, I used to attend synagogue every morning before before COVID, and and I, I got quite a lot out of that. You know, it was it was a good communal thing to do. It, it got me up and out the house in the morning. Uh, and it sort of framed the day quite quite nicely. And obviously with COVID that stopped. The services are, are happening again, but I, I've chosen not to go back uh, for the moment and I can do what I did there at home. And the experience at home is quite different uh, because it isn't, or at least until recently, hasn't been rushed. You know, that there has been no uh you know nobody leading prayers that you've got to keep up with you do it at your own pace um you can read the prayers in english which actually brings them to life in a way that 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 you don't get with a with an organized service um and you you also realize or i did that a lot of the words i've gabbled through i've I've not been reading properly i'm not been pronouncing properly so actually the the experience of praying at home has been a lot richer Um, And I'm I'm actually quite looking forward to this difference of pace over the high holidays. The services, uh, if you do them yourself, are considerably shorter because uh, a big part of the festival liturgy is is communal. And and you can't do that if you're on your own. So you you actually have the, the, the private prayers to do and you focus on those. So you've got, you know, you've got you've got the time that you would be sat in synagogue at home and i think i think it will be actually quite a rewarding experience I'm, I'm i'm not concerned at all about how this is going to impact on me obviously for my kids it, it it's probably difficult for them not not being involved with 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 a congregation but it's only we hope one year so it should be all right
0: so if anything it sounds like it's connected you more
1: well uh, you you can you can pause you can stop you can say oh do you know i've just read something interesting let's go and look up a bit of commentary on that let's you know let, let, let we, we we have a reading in synagogue uh, at the festival so i can read it at my pace i can read yeah. i can read the commentators on that i can actually get much more out of it than i would uh you know wh- wh- where i sat in my seat with people so it, everybody it, chatting around me which which annoys me in, intensely you know wait, so I, it's, I, I go for a purpose not to talk
0: yeah it, it's a breath of fresh air hearing what you're saying to be perfectly honest because it's you know if you if you listen to the majority of communities religious communities uh it, it's a it's quite a different uh mantra uh and uh and, it, and it's really a breath of fresh air to hear what you're saying
1: but you know i, I suppose if you're talking about somebody who has minimal connection and actually need that physical environment to 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 conjure up the feeling of spirituality then then i can see that would be the case um you know fortunately for me i can i'm I'm quite capable to to gain those things on 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 my own yeah uh, and i have the self-discipline to do it that's the other thing, you know. It's very easy to say I'm not going to bother, but you you actually need you need a discipline. You need to do it every day. You need to not miss things out because you want to. You've got to actually have that that self discipline to say this is part of what I'm going to do, and you do it. You do it religiously. I mean, you know the,
0: yeah, the word the, the word,
1: word tells you, tells <laughs> you, yeah
0: and in fact you were doing that over lockdown you you were religiously walking every day uh, you were doing joe wicks uh... I was
1: walking every morning i was listening to podcasts which i discovered which were fantastic uh, my my good friend uh, in london jonathan gaby uh, started a podcast and he's interviewed some really exciting people so i've been listening to him it, it, it's always nicer when you know the person who is doing the broadcast but I also enjoyed Louis Theroux's podcast and lots of yeah. other really exciting stuff uh, on there. Um, and uh, and yeah, with my with my son, we were doing Joe Wicks every day, um, which was great. You know, really, really got me in, into good shape physically. At, at the moment, it's tough because there's other things, there's kids to get off to school, it's hard to fit in a walk every day, but you know, I'm, you try.
0: And the shinier things, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah there, there is there is work that needs to be done
0: um, what other so. on on podcasts uh louis Threw's is brilliant um are there any others that you'd uh you mentioned a couple of others there but are there any others that you'd uh recommend
1: um this 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 jonathan gabby series have been very good um there's a there's a um a photography she was a photography student when I was mentoring her. Um, I'm going to have to look up what this one's called because uh, her and a friend are doing a podcast about being young creatives. Okay. Um, now then, let's see. We we want to talk it.
0: about your photography anyway, so
1: shows. What? Here we go. So <laughs> so um, there's a lot there's a lot on here because again I'm a bit of a magpie collecting podcasts which never gets li- get, get listened to. I quite like Giles Corran. Uh, Guru, that was interesting about uh, okay. uh, um, a, a sort of fake uh, spiritual leader in America. And here, Smash and Bounce. Smash and Bounce is these these two young ladies who are who have just started their creative career. That's quite interesting. Oh, and, and the other one is Peg and Phil's podcast. This is Peg Alexander, who's a well-known local uh, journalist and, and face on TV. And she's got this podcast about the 80s and music in the 80s. Um, and, of course, she's talking about all the clubs I used to go to and all the bands I used to listen to. So that's really, really good. I'd recommend that one as well.
0: Oh, brilliant. Uh, in fact, John's just said, uh, the Reputation podcast featuring Jonathan Duart on the 5th of October. Oh,
1: fantastic.
0: Great, great interview. So, uh, yeah, and, I, and I'll make a note of uh, Smash and Bounce as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, so going to f- uh, photography, um, What? Wh- when, did f- when did you first consider yourself to uh, to be enjoying photography
1: well i think i was seven and i, and I found an old kodak brownie and i, and I asked for a film to, to go in it and i took some horrible pictures which which i probably still got somewhere and then uh on my 10th birthday uh my late father took me to dixon's and bought me a 35 millimeter camera and said you can have one roll of black and white a month um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and no more and, and i took quite a few photos when when i was a kid um and he had a dark room at home he used to turn the bathroom into a into a dark room so you know you were either in or out you know he said I'm, I'm in the dark room or you know do you want to come in or, or out you've got it because i can't open the door so i'd go in and he'd black out the window he'd turn the bath into a table with a large piece of wood and put all these chemicals in baths and get the enlarger and exposed paper and and Dodge and burn, and I, you know, as a child, I watched all this, uh, it was fascinating. And I, you know, on and off took pictures for years, but then the business came along, and you know, that really put paid to it. Um, I used to art direct other photographers quite a lot, taking pictures of bins, but I didn't take many <laughs> pictures myself. Um, and then that must,
0: that must have been fun taking pictures of bins.
1: Well, um. I was credited with making something very boring quite sexy. So, you know, my pictures of bins were, were works of art.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but uh, when when we decided to sell the business, um, I went out and bought a camera, and I, I, I can't explain the motivation. But we were going on holiday, and for some reason, I went into Dale Photographic and dropped a grand on a camera. Um, and I happened to buy the camera for street photographers, and I'd never even heard of street photography at that point. Um, but I obviously, you know, fate dictated that I'd bought the right tool for the job. And um, I took the camera on a walking tour of Jewish Huddersfield. Now, the thing about Jewish Huddersfield is there is there is no Jewish Huddersfield. There's nothing left.
0: I was so, just wondering.
1: So. <laughs> so uh nigel grizzard who did the tour uh bless him, was like well what was here what was so, so there was nothing to take pictures of uh, except one quite attractive cinema which i did take a few shots of um, so i got bored and and i started pointing the camera at, at the folk on the street in huddersfield and i felt quite guilty about this but um you know, I got home and there were some quite interesting pictures of people looking shocked or astonished or dismayed that, that I was taking a picture. And then I discovered that it actually existed as a genre. And then I discovered how to make my pictures look like the old black and whites my, my father used to take with black blacks and white whites, sort of high contrast pictures. So suddenly I had a style and I started posting stuff on Instagram and people started following. So um, at what point do you become a photographer? I don't know, you know, I I had an audience Um, and and I'd read, you know, if you're interested in being a photographer, just take photographs, just do stuff, you know, whatever somebody wants, anybody wants you to take pictures, just go and do it, just do it, take pictures. I used to take pictures, kids parties, you know, I'd take pictures of my kids parties uh, as you do, but I'd try and do them a bit artistically. Um, I'd take pictures, uh, you know, if, a group had a speaker or something and wanted a, a photo taking and go and do it um and and um i had this meeting with uh the group f- uh, from the london charity that raises money for mug and david Adom, which is the uh, the uh the the israeli ambulance service and as we were chatting they looked at some of my work on instagram and they said you know this is really really interesting we use lots of photographs to promote our charity, but they're all staged. And, and, and you can tell they're staged. I you know, you can tell they're staged. How about we put you in an ambulance and just see what happens? And I said, yeah, that's interesting. They said, you know, we don't actually know we can get permission to do this because it's actually quite an interesting question. Can you, can you be, you know, we can put you on an ambulance as a volunteer, but we don't know that you can take pictures. But as it happens, they got the permission and I went and did a shift. Um, Nothing exciting happened on that shift, but we attended a few incidents. We picked some people up, we took them to hospital and I just took pictures of everything that happened. Everything I saw with the one caveat that I wasn't allowed to show the face of the patient. Right. Now, there's actually quite a good spot at the back of an ambulance behind the stretcher where you can see everything that's going on. With the back of the patient's head, so so that was my that was my vantage point. Other than the, the outdoor stuff, and I presented them with some of these pictures, and they said we really like them. Uh, we want some blow ups for the wall of our, our office, um, so it was a commission to do. And we were chatting about another project I was working on, which involved doing a book for a charity. That that book's never never happened. Uh, it might happen, might not. But they said, oh, can we have a book? And i said well yeah you can have a book but i need to take quite a bit more material um how about you set me up with a week of shifts and i'll come out and, and we'll do it so um i spent a week in israel i timed it so that the first day of my visit coincided with pride in tel aviv which i'd always wanted to photograph which was the most spectacular event um you know uh, and and probably more photographers than, uh, (laughs) I've never seen so many photographers. There are a lot of photographers in Israel and and they are all very, very keen on this kind of of thing. So we did Pride. Um, I actually attended in an ambulance, which meant I could get from the park party to the beach party in the ambulance through all the (laughs) roadblocks before anybody else got there, um, which was great. And then I did lots of shifts and I did shifts um, in Jerusalem, in Tel Aviv, uh, in an Arab city called Sakhnin up in the north. Um, I was all over with all different crews, with with Jewish crews, with Arab crews, with mixed crews, with religious crews, with secular crews, with every kind of demographic you can imagine. And the patients that we treated were equally from a diverse demographic. Uh, Everybody working harmoniously together, everybody with the shared mission of saving lives. Um, And we we did save lives. And sadly, there were occasions we didn't uh, save lives. But, you know, it's part and parcel of of what you let yourself in for when you go out on ambulance. Now, my brief was um, to show the technological um, prowess of the organisation and the diversity. And I I came back with 1000s of pictures and I think, well, you know, I've got plenty of technology. But here's a photograph of a a Jewish ambulance driver. And here's a photograph of an Arab ambulance driver. And if I hold them side by side, they look exactly the same. So how am I going to display the diversity? Um, And then um, quite fortuitously, I found a picture. They posted a picture on their Facebook page of the pharmacist graduation ceremony or paramedics graduate, I think it was the paramedics graduation ceremony. And there was a girl in a hijab and i thought that's what i need can can you find me somebody so i went back for another week and i met an amazing lady called warud um, who um who's a volunteer driver right uh, she she's a bedouin arab she's got five kids i think she she was 24 at the time wow and she you know she sort of she's covered from head to foot and she She drives an ambulance and she's a celebrity because she's the first Bedouin woman in her community to have a job. Even, you know, these these women were not previously allowed to have a job and she uh, she drives an ambulance and she lives in a a town called Rahat, which most people, even if they're very familiar with Israel, would never have heard of. It's the biggest Bedouin town in the world. Is it really? it's in south israel right Uh, um and it's an amazing place and she's an absolute celeb there you know people high-fiving her and once (laughs) absolutely incredible um and as a result of my visit mda raised money to rebuild the ambulance station in rahat which was which was falling down so okay um so we so
0: i put it together for them Um, quite phenomenal then yeah that all that uh, came together
1: The book. Um, MDA's motto is blood sweat and tears so I called the book blood sweat tears and helicopters so blood was about the blood unit and collecting blood which MDA also runs the the, the blood uh, service in in Israel They're just building a new unit mainly underground um, which, is, which is quite interesting a whole hospital um, sort of below ground um, the sweat was, the preparing the ambulance or the cleaning the ambulances after the patient's been dealt with. You know, there's a whole preparatory thing. They have to check the oxygen. They have to go and get more oxygen if it's empty. They have to check all the drugs and the supplies and make sure everything's ready before they go out on, on shift. And the tears were actually dealing with the patients, you know, attending uh, to them, treating them at home, taking them to a hospital, whatever it needed. And the helicopters was the the MDA helicopter which i which i photographed uh, right up in the north near near the sea of galilee um and you know it's quite a small thing when you get close up to a helicopter um but they had a crew and i photographed them in it um and, and so so that was a great success they they gave this book to their their big donors and uh, it's now it now appears on amazon as a collectors item which is which is quite fun for me because um, right. there, there aren't any left uh, so, so, and we're redoing it we're reprinting it with more we, we, we're doing a sort of enlarged edition for their 90th anniversary
0: uh, i was about to say they loved it so much that they want to do it again don't they uh, yeah, so, and
1: so 20 more images in it and some other themes being explored like diversity like their um cooperation with the jordanian red crescent and hopefully the head of the jordanian red crescent is going to write the preface to the book um which, which is, is just a unbelievable. Thing, yeah. yeah, that you've got this massive cooperation between uh, two members: the, the Red Crescent and the Red. Um, internationally, Israel is the Red Diamond, but there is the Red Star of David, which they use within within the borders of, of the state of Israel.
0: And the fact that this this guy going to be writing something for them is is yeah. just yeah. phenomenal. Yeah,
1: he's, he's a he's a he's a big friend, right? Know, and a, a, and was very helpful in having. MDA admitted to the International Red Cross, um, so um, there there is big cooperation going on, um, you know, between the two the two ambulance services.
0: And and topically um, with the UAE and Israel deal, you know, what you've seen is that it, this is only a, a fabulous thing, really. And and uh, why wouldn't you? Is that right?
1: There is no animosity between Jews and Arabs on the ground. I mean, I've seen crews working together. Um, the the friendship, um, you know, and I'm thinking of particularly one Palestinian Arab who works uh, on the Jerusalem team, who who took me to show me the Arab market, and you know is proudly wearing his MDA uniform and is everybody's friend, and and uh, you know th- these people live side by side, and um, you've just got so much politics in the way of of everybody you know there is a deal to do but if you have to have both sides recognize each other um, and at the moment i don't see that one side recognize you know the the official palestinian line i don't think at the moment recognizes that a jewish state exists and once they're over that everything everything falls into place and it's like with the uae the the barrier was you know we are um we are our palestinian brothers are suffering and we're not going to um, side with the enemy i think they finally realized actually there's more to be gained by being friends than falling out with people who are you know making things difficult and and, and are perhaps not genuine about wanting to to, to to settle this at the moment and and i think you will see now a, a, a sea of arab countries making peace, normalizing relations. This is different because Jordan and Egypt made peace. The UAE is normalized, completely different. You know, there will be tourists coming and going. At the moment, you don't really see that. You know, as a, as a, as a foreign visitor to Israel, you can, you can cross into Jordan. I think it's slightly harder if you're an Israeli citizen. Not 100% sure, but I, I don't think there's there's the same sort of love between the countries these two countries are embracing each other and are cooperating and are actually working together for the common good and i think we'll see more of it and and it's amazing you know amazing to see and um you know to watch an ll plane landing in 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 the emirates it's just yeah that... you know, just the kind of thing you never thought you'd see yeah. in a lifetime and yeah and, and you watch it happening and Hopefully it's, you know, it's a herald of, of better things. And yeah, that,
0: uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a good, good picture, actually, an LL plane landing in
1: Emirates. And, and, and it's the <laughs> near neighbors that search and say, you know, I have I have photography fans in in Lebanon, in Syria, um, in Iran. Um, I remember being up in uh, Akko in the north of Israel. Um, <laughs> And, and texting my friend in 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 Beirut, <laughs> you, you know how close we are together, but there's no way that either of us could visit each other, and, and what a tragedy! What a shame! Yeah, uh, and you know it doesn't take much to have the mindset to say, actually, you know what? We can we can live and let live, and uh, it it benefits everybody.
0: Absolutely, you um uh, your photography. Uh, you've also got a, a huge love. Uh, for food, you're a vegan. I'm, I don't believe you're a vegan actually, because um, most vegans that I know preach about being uh, uh, vegans. I don't find you do that at all. You you actually just enjoy being a vegan. Uh, well, I'm not n- everybody
1: I'm... in this house is a vegan, so I've got to I've got to temper myself. I also don't have any tattoos and I don't have any piercings, which, which must be quite quite unusual uh, for, for vegans. And my and I'm slightly right of centre, which is extremely unusual for, for, for vegans. <laughs> and I'm a Brexiteer, I'm probably the only vegan <laughs> on, on the planet, but I have um, just published uh, in the last few the... days, uh, Vegans in Iceland, which is my latest, my latest photo book. Uh, this was a about... f-
0: following a trip you made last year to, to Iceland, is that right?
1: Yeah, I spent a week in Iceland in the summer, um, and uh, it's quite interesting to be there in the summer because it doesn't really get dark. Um, or only for a very short time. Um, you know, you come out of a pub at 11, half 11 at night and it's light, you know, like broad daylight, <laughs> not even not even looking like it's about to get dark. Um, and I met some amazing people, um, all of whom were vegans and I interviewed them and photographed them and I've put together a book. Uh, I think there are 21 portraits in it. And then there's a whole lot of other stuff which was iPhone pictures taken of food in supermarkets and signs offering vegan food in restaurants and packets of vegan food I saw around in and around Iceland. Um, the, the the premise to start the book was: Are there any vegans in Iceland? I, I, I'm not sure there are. I wanted to go to Reykjavik to do some street photography. I'd read a lot about Iceland. I'd read I read some literature written by Icelandic people, and I thought. Reykjavik is probably a good place to do what I do you know each year I try and sneak off somewhere for a few days to do a bit of street photography on my own Uh, I was in Ibiza in 2017 I was in Tangiers in 2018 Um, so I thought I'd go to Reykjavik in 2019 and I was worried about whether there'd be any vegan food because you think of Iceland, it's isolated. You think people eat whales. Actually, they don't. They catch whales for other people who eat whales. Um, and uh, I found a lady on a, on a Facebook site called um, Vegan Travelers to Iceland. <laughs> and I said, I <laughs> Quite want to a niche to site. To, to take some photographs, do you think I'll starve? And she sent me a 30 page PDF of every restaurant in Iceland that offers anything vegan and there's quite a lot of it oh wow and and she said if you're coming you can photograph us we do the cube of truth in Reykjavik every uh every Sunday and I said what's the cube of truth you know some vegan I am so that so the cube of truth is where they put the guy Fawkes mask on and they stand with a flat screen which shows slaughterhouse footage and, and animal abuse and they try and engage with people uh, and encourage them to be, be vegan I said, great. Yeah, you know, I I do that. But is there anything else or anyone else you think I could photograph when I come? And I get this list uh, of of people. She says, well, we have this transgender vegan baker. Um, We have a we have a DJ who is also a local politician and she runs a a feminist uh, music organization. uh, and so on so I thought oh, this is amazing you know all these all these people these characters um, perhaps there's a project here cool. then I found more vegans I found vegans so many vegans in Iceland all in different walks of life all coming to veganism from different angles and then when I got there I met even more vegans um, I met a vegan sex worker um, <laughs> I mean, this was surreal. I said, "And what do you do?" She said, "Oh, I'm a sex worker." Um, Would you like to be in my book? (laughs) So, so uh, you'll have to buy the book to see the uh, the picture of her in her suspenders.
0: well i mean your some of your pictures are just amazing and or most sorry all of your pictures are amazing i apologize uh <laughs> and uh and, and i've i've just dropped the link for your oh, instagram okay. which is straight pics um but it, it you mentioned it earlier because it, it amazes me at some of the expressions that you capture and 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 some of the sort of aghast what is that the case that they're sort of you know what the hell are you doing taking a picture of me and 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 what's what's the deal with street photography are, are you able to just take pictures and use them and what what what, what what's the deal
1: there well it depends where in the world you are to be honest but in the uk um so to go back to the first part of your question um either the person has no idea i'm taking the photograph or they're a bit curious um and you get a bit of eye contact that for me is the best because they're not they're not posing they're just looking puzzled um, <laughs> You know, is he? Isn't he? What you know? What, what's going on here? And often they'll come up and say, "Oh, well, I'm sorry, love. Did I get in your way?" <laughs>
0: <Don't> <laughs> and you're like, "No, that was the best don't picture I could have got."
1: <laughs> don't worry about it. And I've got, I've got ways of actually getting, like, you know, within two or three feet of somebody, and I'm having no clue what I'm doing, um, <laughs> which is really fun uh, when you're literally poking the camera in somebody's face and they don't know you're taking a picture of them. But it's, it's, it's like it's like being an illusionist. You know you you there are ways to make people think you're not doing what you're doing yeah um, and, and then sometimes they will notice and they might be indifferent um they might play to the camera or uh they might really kick off and, and about once a year somebody does kick off and i end up having to delete the picture um which clearly i do now, if you take a picture of somebody in the public uh, public uh, arena and they're not somebody known or famous, and you're not using it for commercial purposes, you you can do what you want with that image. Um, you know, it's 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 free to use. I think I think it's slightly different in Germany. I think in Germany, you're not allowed. Um,
0: I... So, if you want to use them in a book, do you yeah. then need to get permission? No,
1: no, because it's art ah i mean you look at all the stuff martin parr does you know he i i think i asked him he came to the heck and i said do you, know, do you do you get permission he said well, well you can't because you, don't, you know the moment has yeah. been and gone um but, but it's art so you're you're allowed
0: uh, uh, if people want to uh, buy this book, uh, is it vegansiniceland.com? Uh, in is that the best place to yeah, go? Yeah. Or
1: um, the, I mean, it's pub- I have my own sort of book publishing name now, which is called Art Books, which is A-R-T-B-U-K-Z. So there's artbooks.com. But if you go to vegansiniceland.com, you'll find the book. And if you use the code SAVE10, S-A-V-E, number one, number zero, SAVE10, you'll get £10 off.
0: Um, Brilliant. Which I'll just is, which is pop worth those... So artbooks yeah. dot zcom and uh, save, save ten, save gives, you 10% 10 off. gives you ten percent off.
1: 10 pounds off, not 10%. Sorry, ten percent.
0: Oh, Sorry, 10 pounds off. 10, wow. Ten pounds off, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um yeah, and free. um I, I'm and conscious free, of... and free shipping in the UK.
1: <laughs> but, but not <laughs> to
0: Iceland. And <laughs> we, we have I'm, to
1: charge the, the Icelandic uh, community, I'm afraid.
0: I'm conscious of time and um, I, I could chat to you for days. I mean, you, the, it's fascinating uh, uh, the, the conversations we always have, um, and uh, and you, you're in so many things. I've got I've, I've got some really quick fire questions for you. Yeah, yeah, things, yeah, things that I wanted to cover that I didn't have a chance. Um, on the, the, you mentioned uh, when you're doing the TV stuff, uh, you've got to learn your lines. I mean, I, I I I would be crap at learning lines. How the hell do you learn lines?
1: Well when i was in my late teens i started doing a bit of amateur drama um, which involves learning a lot of lines and i was pretty good i used to learn everybody else's lines as well and and there was an occasion quite famously i i i corrected the the direction of a play which had been sent sent off at a tangent by somebody giving the wrong line out I actually managed <laughs> to steer it back and then i did a bit more in my I suppose I must have been in my thirties and I found it much harder to learn the lines because your brain obviously deteriorates a bit, but I I don't know you just have to be methodical about it. And and the thing with TV is you don't need much recall because you're only filming a minute or two, usually only filming a minute or two at a time. So you will read the couple of paragraphs. If you get the odd word wrong, it doesn't matter because you've written it anyway. Um, but you, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll learn it. And then, You'll read the paragraph you need to recite just before you do it, and then it's fresh in your mind, and then you don't need to remember it uh, ever again, really.
0: Um, uh, off the top of your head, uh, you' because of COVID you're not really going out to restaurants right now. Yeah. Um, understandably, um, one of the big things that you're missing, though, um, where are the, when, when you do get to out, where, when you do get to go out, where are the restaurants you're going to be heading towards? Which are the, the ones you'd be recommending in Leeds and in London?
1: Well, of course, you have to remember I am at home, so so I'm having home cooked meals, and I have been doing quite a bit of cooking. Um I've got a lovely homemade pita bread recipe, which is uh, vegan yogurt um, and flour and uh, a bit of baking powder. I, I've made vegan falafel, um, which is which is fun. Uh, so I've been doing lots of cooking. Um, you've also well. got a
0: new, and uh, you've you've also got another ingredient that you you use lupin uh, that yeah, you like yeah. a lot.
1: Uh, australian lupin which is high protein high fiber low carb uh if you go to the looping um you can find out all about lupin and it's three for two on amazon at the minute as well so so uh, right once you, you want to get some lupin down you um i make a lovely uh, walnut and mushroom pate with lupin there's all the nice on the, on the website it tastes like chopped liver but it, but it isn't wow uh, well from what i remember probably 40 years since i've had um <laughs> Anyway, where would I like to go in Leeds? Uh, Donna's Summer, which is uh, a vegan kebab place. I'm quite excited about that. I'd like to go to JJ's Vegan Fish and Chip uh, place again. That was one of my favourites. I, I like the the large battered sausage uh, there, even though it was stone cold by the time I got it home. <laughs> um, what else? There's, there's lots of places coming. It, it, lots of things opening. It's, it's, it's exciting. And in London, oh, God, there's just so much so much going on there i mean where where
0: can't you wait where where can't you wait to go back to
1: oh um there was a little place we went called 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 bubbler's which is grandmother in, in in yiddish um and it's a sort of modern modern israeli vegetarian but a lot of it's vegan so it's like um you know grilled aubergines and and hummus and uh um fennel roasted fennel this kind of thing just just vegetables but but delicious um very very nice place tiny place i don't know how the hell they're socially distancing in there but I mean, <laughs> you, you, you it didn't matter whose table you were sat at you were with you were with, you and, everybody, you were with them you everybody anyway <laughs>
0: um the um uh the the other topics i wanted to talk about there's no chance we're going to get quick answers but you know my concerns are for places like the tetley uh yeah. and uh, and and some of those you know um I, I mean could you just give us a really short answer on on how uh are they going to get through this uh corona period and uh and how can we support places like that
1: okay so the tetley uh art gallery bar restaurant it's open again it was shut for some time Um, Fortunately, uh, many of the staff were able to be furloughed, so that took a big burden off and the Tetley received support as a national portfolio organisation from the Arts Council. It received a a significant grant from the Arts Council and hopefully next month we'll get another grant from the Arts Council because the Tetley depends on events. The Tetley is an event space and the events make the money and without events there is a bar and restaurant there but it doesn't make enough money to sustain the tetley so hopefully we'll get more support from the arts council during this time that we can't run events now everybody who's booked an event pretty much has postponed the event they haven't cancelled it yeah um, i actually have a family event booked at the tetley um was going to happen in may it's been postponed till next may may have to be postponed again but you know i haven't cancelled the booking i just i just moved it um so the tetley is okay at the moment but Um, to support it go to the bar go to the restaurant if you're feeling brave now they have outdoor dining and the other thing is there's a lot of space in the Tetley so it's genuinely socially distanced yeah there is staff are wearing masks it's it's done properly
0: it's an airy space
1: time for restaurants that are not following the rules yeah um, or staff who aren't masked up this is done properly Um, there will be very soon a takeaway service from the Tetley um, I think it'll be on Deliveroo and it'll probably be available direct as well. Um, and it might have some quite interesting drink selections. Um, so that's coming and that's also a great way to support the Tetley. And what people need to know is that every penny spent at the Tetley supports the arts directly because the Tetley is a charity and the trading arm is part of the charity. So while we can't run events, please buy meals, get them delivered. Uh, And visit, you know, the gallery is open. You can book to visit. Um, You have to book to visit. Um, And uh, we've got a good programme and a good emerging programme for later in the year.
0: Thank you very, very much, Jonathan. It's been a fascinating conversation. Um, so 've got no voice. <laughs> <laughs> which is why I think we need to come to an end because I could just chat and chat um, and uh, and it, it's absolutely fascinating and there's just so many different things that we could talk about um I uh, wish you a, a huge shan- Shanatova for this happy weekend you, and, um, happy, new year, and so. happy new year to you um and uh, and thank you so much uh, Jonathan if if people wanted to uh, connect with you or, or find you online where's the best place for them to go?
1: So I'm on LinkedIn, Jonathan Straight. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Planet Straight. I'm on Instagram, Straight Pics. Um, I'm on I'm on Facebook. So find me, connect with me. I'm um, I'm open uh, to any any uh, any approach, any conversation. Um, you know, any. Don't don't be shy.
0: Any anything shiny and, uh, and new and exciting. Oh, shiny are the better. John, Jonathan's be better. up for a a, a chat. <laughs> absolutely great nice to talk to you thank you so much thanks for watching everyone um make sure that you uh subscribe on youtube or join the facebook group coronavirus yorkshire business support group uh for a uh the next live uh there's plenty more uh coming and uh, look forward to seeing you all soon take care see you all soon bye you've been listening to the johnny ross audio experience thanks so much for joining me If you want to continue the conversation, head over to my website, fleek.marketing, or find me on LinkedIn. That's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon.